right now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've come to a very extraordinary change in plans. Ooh. Next week was planned softball. And then Justin, wise as he is, Justin Boucher, he said, hey, how about we do something that everyone can be involved in? I said, Justin, that's a really good idea. So, next Thursday is going to be a big, huge wiffle ball game. Okay, every, literally every single person can play wiffle ball. It's basically softball, but not softball. It's, you won't get hurt. It's much easier. You won't get hurt. You don't need a softball mitt. You don't need a softball bat. You literally just come. We'll have everything. And we'll play here. There'll be bases. We'll just swing. And you won't, have, you won't hit the neighbor's house. Nothing will happen. It's a wiffle ball. So please come, invite your friends, we've got a really big, huge wiffle ball game. And I'll bring some popsicles or something, too, so we can, you know, cool down with some popsicles. Oh, wow. So next, next, I'll post on Facebook, but plan for that next Thursday at, like, 7. Let's get lit. And kids are definitely, well, I would love to play some kids. Are balls welcome. Kids. kids are welcome. Yeah, so that should be a fun time next week. Let's have some fun. Should be adults. Fun in the kids. sun. Yeah, it'll be a great, great time. Um, yeah, CT Saturday, we all know that. It's at 6. It's combined still for the summer. Um, I think that's it for announcements. <laughs> yes, that's it for announcements. So, Angie, take it away. Okay. Hey, woo. Hi, everybody. Good to see everybody. Most of everybody. Okay, so um, as Rich said uh, last time, <clears throat> Rich and Terry went through the first part of uh, Chapter 3, uh, where Paul was instructing Timothy on the appointment of elders, and they talked about God's definition of leadership and authority. And they said that above all, church leaders should keep in mind the goal of their instruction, which is love. And we read that earlier in Paul's letter in Chapter 1. Specifically, though, there were a bunch of qualifications for elders, or you could say characteristics of elders. They, they... So, elders are to be temperate, hospitable, above reproach, able to teach, not addicted to wine, gentle, peaceable, and not a new believer. This week, we're going to be going through verses 8 through 13, where Paul talks about the qualifications and the appointment of deacons. And I'd like to read through that whole section um, first, but before we do that, could someone pray for this teaching? Lord, um, I just want to thank you so much that um, you have a structure for what your church body is to look like there's order it's not just hodgepodge together or anarchy um i i thank you that ultimately we're all put under the leadership of jesus christ and that um that's kind of how you structure your church uh i pray that you can be speaking through angie and jd tonight about uh more of what this looks like and uh, that we can have some really sweet conversations and uh, know what that means for our lives. Yeah, God, thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, we have a chance to get together here to study your word and have fellowship with one another. Um, just pray for our hearts here tonight, God. You know, it's been long days for a lot of people, and 
Uh, God, we're so glad to be together with the brothers and sisters. Help us uh, just open the eyes of our hearts, God. Help us listen to your word and help us uh, just be convicted by it, God, and go uh, more towards you. In Jesus' name. Okay, so um, we'd like to read through verses 8 through 13. Um, I have a reader here. Who's my who's my yes, first Timothy? Okay, and then oh, we'll read it through once, and then Jamie's going to come back to it in greater detail. Isn't that Okay. Okay. All right. 1 Timothy 3, starting in verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid games but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Thanks, Hannah. So you can see that we have another, um, and it's sometimes a duplicative um, list of qualifications here. But uh, it's plain to see that just as with the elders, leadership in God's church is always a matter of character. Terry and Rich talked about that last time as well. Not talent or ability or wealth or power. And here's the thing. God wants to change our character. So let's just for a minute contrast this, this idea of church leadership with uh, secular leadership. So I want you to think about, uh, I don't know, world leaders or industry leaders or leaders in your place of work. Throw me out some descriptors. Throw me some descriptive terms. Power hungry. Confident. Mm-hmm. Aggressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stupid. <laughs> 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 Bold, arrogant, white. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. How about has followers? A leader has followers, right? Yeah. Right? I mean, a leader can be and probably is fairly charismatic, right? Right? So power hungry, confident. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Aggressive, cold, arrogant, charismatic, has followers. I feel like this secular leader we've just described is Hitler. I feel like we've just described Hitler. Or Stalin. Or Saddam Hussein. Or somebody like that. That's the worldly concept of leadership. Christianity turns this worldly concept of leadership upside down. So rather than an exercise in authority, it's an abdication of authority. Okay? It's turning that authority over to Christ. It's only possible by following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The contrast can't be stated more clearly than in Matthew 20, 25 through 28. Do I have a reader for that? No? Can somebody get that? Matthew 20, 25 through 28. Matthew 25. Mm-hmm. What, hon? Matthew 20, 25 through 28. Go ahead, Terry. Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Good. Before we go. Got it. Uh, 25 through 28? Yep. 
Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wow, okay. So the greatest will be your servant, and whoever wants to be first will be your slave. The world would say that's insane. Now, I hope we can see that in our passage tonight, if you look at it, even though Paul is specifically talking about deacons here, these traits apply to all of us, to all or any of us who who want to grow spiritually. But here's the thing. If you've ever tried to change your character on your own, and I don't mean your behavior, but the very essence of who you are, then you know it's not possible. Can you will yourself to love others? But that really awful person in your family or that really awful person at work. Or can you will yourself to be more patient? I mean, you can tamp it down and, you know, you can rein it in, but that's just controlling it. Um, You know, and the next thing you know is you take it out on your dog or something. I'm talking about the knowledge that you have that comes to you when you realize that God has been doing a work in your heart that you didn't think was possible. In fact, we think it's so impossible that it's sometimes hard to see the work God has been doing in our own lives. So as I was preparing this and thinking about how God changes character, two people came to mind. One is Lindsay. So Lindsay has told me over and over again that she was a harsh judgmental, unloving person. I don't know that person. That's God changing character. The other person who came to mind was Carrie. I've known Carrie a long time. As long as I've known her, she's told me that she has trouble loving people and she's been asking God to change her heart. All I've ever seen Carrie do is love people. Including me. Even when it's hard. That's God changing character. So keep praying those prayers, friend, because they're working. So how do we get that character? God changes lives. We can't change our character like that. And here's the thing. God wants to change our character. And when God asks us to do something, he will make it possible. Um, who's my Romans reader? Oh, that was me. This is Romans 4, 20, 21. Yes, that was me, This is Abraham we're talk- that he's talking about here. And verse 21 again says, He was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. We can have faith in God's word too. We can have faith in God's promises too. 
God has promised to change us if we present ourselves to him and let him bring about the changes according to his will. But has he actually promised our change of character? Well, who's my second core reader? Second core 517. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away, the old new things are coming. In Philippians 1 6. For I'm confident of this very thing that he who begins a good work in you shall perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Those Woo! are promises. Look at her. Oh, <coughs> yeah. Those are promises. Um, Colossians 2.6, I think, tells us our part in this transformation. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Yeah. So the transformation comes as we continue just as we received Christ. So first he talks about as you received Christ. So what is this receiving of Christ that Paul is talking about? Well, if you have received Christ, you know what he's talking about. If you uh, have joined us tonight as a visitor, uh, or you may not have received Christ and you don't have this personal relationship, if you want that or you're interested in knowing more about it, the first thing you should know is that it's by God's grace that we're given this opportunity. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. This is how we come to know God, by grace through faith, my will reaching out to accept this gift, not by works. John 1.12, I think, embodies this idea of our salvation and our growth. I think I gave that to someone, but I'll just go ahead and read it because I like it. <laughs> Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Believing plus receiving equals becoming. We believe that Jesus was the Son of God sent to redeem us, that he died and was raised. We, be- we receive his forgiveness when we turn to him, <clears throat> excuse me, to repent and walk his way, and we become children of God. And over time, God transforms our, our morality. He transforms our values, our worldview, our attitudes, our relationships, our priorities. He transforms our character. And that is how we can have this personal relationship with God. And that is how we grow and are transformed by grace through faith. God is waiting for us to walk forward in obedience so he can open the door for us to serve him. We are all called to spiritual maturity. If I had one goal tonight or one application, it would be to inspire anyone here to step up and lead. We're all called to do this. It is something to aspire to. He says that in verse 1 of this chapter. It is something to aspire to. It's a noble thing to aspire to. God's not looking for people with talent or ability. He wants to develop these character traits in us. Now, we do need to grow in knowledge, but it's character, heart attitudes that are more important. Are you gentle? Are you humble? Are you loving? Are you willing to serve? One of the things at Freedom Fellowships that we're fortunate to have is the process of discipleship. Um, And what we'd like to see in the disciple is a change in character. It's not so much are they doing more, but where is their heart? My my question that I do sometimes ask but often think is, 
Why would you not want to do that? Why would you not want to? So <clears throat> I think that all of you have been around long enough to know that we, we Freedom Fellowships, does not follow a clergy laity model. We are a church of leaders. We're not just passive recipients who end up where we started. Every one of us is directly accountable to God. Jesus has set each of us in a position to have significance. Christ is the head of all of us, the entire body of Christ. Yes, that's true. And the body of Christ includes elders and deacons, but everyone in the body has a needed role. And Christ's vision is for us to find our role. So you might ask, how do I know what that is, what that role is? I'll just sit here and wait till it's revealed. Nah. Get out there and do something. Try some things out. Step out of your comfort zone. See what the Lord has in mind for you. And most importantly, learn to rely on him because you are going to need that. You are going to need to be able to do that. We find it far too easy to sit there and throw rocks at our leadership. I know I do. The perfect cure for that is to put yourself in the position of someone who has to rely on the Lord in humility with a servant heart. <clears throat> all right. Nevertheless, keeping all of that in mind that I just said, Paul does speak directly to the qualification of deacons in our section tonight. Yes, we're all accountable to Christ, but there are these helpers, these elders and deacons. So I want to just go over a little background on deacons and what and why they are. Um, who is my Acts reader? We've got Acts 6, verses 1 through 4. Lacey. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Okay, thanks, Lacey. So it appears that the function of deacons in the early church came about because of a problem over the distribution of food. Um, there were two language divisions in this new church. There were the Jews who spoke Greek and those who spoke Hebrew or Aramaic. The Greek-speaking Jews were upset because they said their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. They brought the problem to the apostles who told them to choose seven men, and they gave qualifications for these men who were to handle the problem. And that was the first evidence of the work of deacons in the church. These men were appointed to serve. <laughs> They were appointed so that the apostles wouldn't be distracted from their primary role of teaching and preaching. And it's not that the apostles were above this kind of work, but they really needed to focus on these other, acts, uh, these other aspects for which they were uniquely qualified, just like our elders here. The deacons were to serve the church by handling the practical problems of administration, of distribution, whatever the problem might be. But it's more than that, too. The first deacons weren't called just to fix a food problem. Um, food was the occasion, sure, but the bigger problem was a threat to the unity of this new church. The qualifications we can see that were given in Acts 6, like the ones we're going to be going over later tonight, are spiritual in nature. 
And while we might not always view a position of service as being a great honor, Jesus does. The word deacon simply means servant. The word itself can be traced back to a word meaning around the table, and it's the idea of a server or someone who would walk around a table checking on the needs of a guest in someone's home. In Matthew 20, 26, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And that word servant is the same word we translate as deacon here in 1 Timothy. There are more than 100 passages like this that use that word. But the point is, usually the term is used in a generic sense, in that all of us are called to be servants. Servants of God, servants to each other. We are all called. So maybe you're thinking, I can't be a deacon. I can't even, I can't even lead my cell group. I can't do it because uh, I don't know the Bible well enough. There's a fix for that. <laughs> or maybe you're just too busy with insignificant things. How about busying up with something significant? And again, why would you not want to do that? As someone famously said or sang, you got to serve somebody. Choose for yourself who you're going to serve. So I'm going to turn this over to Jamie now. She's going to go over what the characteristics or character traits or qualifications are that Paul sets out. But please keep in mind that these are things we should all aspire to. Um, yeah, so we're going to continue on um, and get into this passage and really dig in to what are the characteristics of a deacon, um, which really are just characteristics of a mature Christian, someone who's been growing in their faith, that wants to grow, that wants to change, that's serving people and um, trying to help others go through this growth process as well. Um, I kind of want to give a little warning for all of us who like lists and like to, like, check things off. This is not a comprehensive checklist to go through and evaluate like how good our leaders are doing or how great of a person you are and why you should be a leader. Um, that's not what this list is. Um, so I encourage you to be reflective while we go through this um, list of characteristics, but not critical. Um, it would be really easy to point out like, oh, well, this leader isn't like this or I'll, I'm failing at this and I'll never be able to get better. Um, these are characteristics that God is continually trying to work on in all of our hearts. So we definitely want to go into this with an open mind. So I need to hand out some verses. Hannah, are you still in um, yeah. 1 Timothy 3? You want to be that reader? And I need a few more people to read. Um, Brenda, will you get Ephesians 5.18? Uh, Lenny, will you get Philippians 2.4? Carla, I need an NLT. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh, you all. <laughs> Carla, you'll get Romans 16.1 for me. Romans 6 what? 16.1. 16.1. And then, Lindsay, will you get 1 Peter 5.10? And then, Kaylee, do you want to get Philippians 1.6? Which I think is a repeat from Angie, so that's okay. All right. 
So we're going to read through the beginning of this list. So Hannah, will you read verses 8 and 9 for me? Likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued, or addicted to much wine, or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. All right, so here's our list again, and some of these are very similar to the um, characteristics that we went through last week of an elder, and some of them are a little bit different. So the first one is dignity, which just means having a respectable reputation, Um, These are people, deacons are raised up from your own church. That's how our church does it. That's how the early church did it. It wasn't people that they hired in that they didn't know anything about. These were people who came in, we know them, we know their character, and we can see that they're genuine. Um, And this dignity really comes down to being trustworthy and being able to care, which I think Terry talked about a little bit last week. That's really what all of these characteristics boil down to is being trustworthy and being able to care. Um, The next one is not double-tongued. We want a leader that's not a liar, someone that's straightforward, to the point, sticks to the truth. This is very different than what we see in, like, our worldly leaders and politicians or influencers on Instagram. Um, They are very known for being one person in front of people or on social media and someone totally different in their own life. And it's so easy in this world of social media to be able to to be two different people. Um, And so we want to have a leader that is not just about looking good or tearing others down, but that is respectable, that is straightforward. The next is that they're not addicted to wine. And so we talked about this um, when we went through um, the book of Ephesians, that alcohol is not bad, that the Bible doesn't say you should never drink. Um, but this is about your mindset, having a sober mind, not ruled by any addiction. We want to see someone in, that's a deacon that has um, been freed from dependence on any type of substance or uh, different addictions. Who did I give Ephesians 5, 18 to? Mm-hmm. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Yeah, we want to see people filled with the Spirit. Um, So that's what mature Christians are. They're someone who wants to be trustworthy, that wants to be able to care for others. And so they're filled with the spirit, not alcohol or food or Netflix or hours of video games. This isn't where they're going to be filled, but instead being filled by God's word, by his spirit. And so then the next one is not fond of sordid game. Now, if you're like me, sorted gain is not in my everyday vocabulary, and I feel like I have to go look it up every time I get to this passage. Um, so this means this is that love of money, love of this dishonest, I'll do anything to get ahead of someone, to build up my own kingdom, um, which can be really tempting to really want to be selfish with our time, with our money, to make ourselves look good, to make ourselves comfortable. I think that's something we can all relate to in some way. Um, but if someone who is not fond of sordid gain is really going to be focused on the interests of other people and how they can build up others. Who did I give Philippians 2.4 to? Me. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Yeah. Now, have you ever had a conversation with someone who really is like this, that cares so much about other people's interests, 
that you're like trying to encourage them and they end up like encouraging you in the process. Maybe you've had a conversation with Terry Lesnick and have felt this way before. Where I get it literally a few weeks ago, Lacey and I were moving and moving apartments and we're all a little stressed and I'm like trying to thank Terry for showing up, for helping serve. And he was like, no, no, no. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to serve and like going on to encourage me to build us up, to make sure we prayed together, um, very much not caring about any type of glory for himself, but just to build into others. Um, so grateful to have Terry and people like that um, around us. They really want to build you up. And then, Hannah, will you reread verse 9 for me? But holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, Yeah, so someone with this type of character, they know and live out the word of God. They are someone that when you talk with them, who you're seeing is really who they are. They're genuine, and they're really rooted in that truth. They have this clear conscience. Um, An example of this is I had the privilege to live with Monica for a few months before she got married. And um, it was just so encouraging that she, especially we were like in the middle of the pandemic, we're like quarantined in our house, all working from home a lot of this time. And every time I came into our bedroom, Monica had her Bible out or was listening to a podcast about the word. It always had something to share when asking about what was going on. Like she had something of value to share. Um, And this is that real clear conscience. All right, Hannah, will you read verse 10 for us? These men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Yeah. So when we are having new people step up as deacons, there needs to be a process for it. And this is the process that our church follows as well, that uh, leaders are recognized. They're not appointed. They're not hired in. It's not a... All right, so you look like you'll be a good servant. Let's throw you in there, see if you do it, and see if you sink or swim. That's not how we do it. We want to see someone that is already living in this role, someone that is actively serving. As Angie said, that's what deacon means, is someone that is actively going out and serving. Um, So we want to see people that are already living in that role that they are someone that is trusted by others, someone that is seen caring for others, and that are doing that without the title. Those people who have been tested through this and have shown that they are men and women of character, um, that's who is recognized as a deacon, as a servant. And so now it gets a little spicier. (laughs) Hannah, will you read verse 11 for us? Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. All right, so now we turn to the women. Well, first, what women are we talking about? Just like every woman in the church, is this the wives of deacons or is this female deacons? Um, I can't go into all of it tonight about all of the different arguments for each of those things, but um, in studying this and what most people do agree is this is talking about female deacons, that this is what is who Paul is addressing here. Um, If he was going to be talking just about deacons' wives, why wasn't there a verse a little bit earlier about elders' wives? Wouldn't they also have just as unique and important um, qualifications? So we are talking about this in the context of female deacons, which we know um, from um, the early church that there were female deacons. We get um, Romans 16.1. Oh, God. 
Uh, I commend you to our sister Phoebe, oh, who is a deacon in a church in Centra. Yeah. Yes. She's what? She's, she's a deacon in the church of Centra. Deacon oh, in the church, oh. right there in Romans. So yeah, there were female deacons, there were female leaders um, throughout the New Testament. We see that. Um, so we shouldn't question whether, what this is about. But why are there characteristics just for the women? Do they need more training? Um, do these other ones not apply? They're totally different qualifications than men. Um, well, it started, that verse started with likewise. So uh, all of the previous characteristics about to, that were directed maybe towards men um, also apply to women. And um, Paul is just highlighting a few specific areas that um, women may be more likely to struggle in. Um, but men don't tune it out. You don't get to get away with being a gossip and all of that that is for you as well. And a character we all want to be, um, it's not unique. So don't tune them out. So the first one was, again, dignified. The same that was used for previously. It's a reputation of someone that is trustworthy and able to go out and care. And it says they're not gossips. Um, this is someone that is controlling their own speech. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but at work, it is such a temptation to just like be pulled into the gossipy, talking about each other culture, working in a school that is like mostly women, like we like to talk about one another. And I can remember this, I've been working really hard about not getting pulled into it. And then the one day after work, um, I'm like, I'd stayed a little bit later working in my classroom. And all of a sudden I hear these, this person like step out of the principal's office screaming, like just going on like all of this. And I was like, like wanting to like go out in the hallway so I could see. I was like, no, I know who that is. And like sitting there in my room, like I could text my teacher bestie and be like, did you hear that too? Are you still here? Um, and then I was like gathering my stuff and was like, oh, I wonder like who else is out here? Did anyone else hear that? Could I go, I ran into someone on my way out and really wanted to be like, ooh, did you hear it? And I was like, no, I'm not gonna <laughs> gossip. <laughs> This isn't for the benefit. All I'm doing is trying to spread someone else's drama that has nothing to do with me and isn't to build up anyone else. But man, is it hard because that's what someone literally the next day did it to me. They're like, did you hear that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. And so it's so hard to interact with that when that is the culture we're in. That's so much what social media is, is just tearing people down, saying whatever you want, talking about everyone else. Um, it's hard to control our speech. Um, and so that's why the next one is temperate. Um, this means someone that is not hysterical, someone that is level-headed. Um, I think of examples of this. I think of Kayla and Angie in our church, that these are really stable women who um, will hear you out, especially when you're in crisis. You can go and talk to them, and they're not going to be hysterical with you. Um, they're going to help you process through, and they're going to point you to what is true, what is rational, um, which I know is really helpful to me, and I've watched them do it with other women as well. Um, really grateful to have those examples here of temperate women. <clears throat> And another one is faithful in all things. Again, these are people that are reliable. Um, that when they say they'll show up, they will show up. Um, and we know that. Um, I really think of Brenda with this. That if we are asking, like, we need, we need someone to serve. We need someone to come watch the kids or bring snacks or organize the snack bins. She's like, I'm going to do it. Her and BK both, I think of as these people that are constantly willing to serve, ready to show up. And you can rely on them. 
um, and their faithful spirits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so Hannah, will you read verse 12 for me? Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own household. So someone who we're trusting to lead other people, we want to see them be good leaders at home, that they're a one-woman man, that they're good managers or leaders of their children and of their household. Um, We want to see people who are who they say they really are. And all of us, whether we have live with a spouse, with kids, with roommates, we know how that the people who live with us, they see who we really are. They see our mess. They see us when we want to walk in that door and shut off and tune things out. Um, I could have been fully going here all day and go home and just treat Lacey like crap. Um, but Lacey would know that, even if no one else knew. So the people who are in your houses, those, that family, those kids, they know who you really are. And so we want to see people that lead their families well. See men that are willing to set their lives aside to spend time with their families, to invest in them, to care about their spiritual upbringing and not just the people outside of their home. And that brings us to verse 13. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. This is what makes being a deacon kind of worth it. Because this is God is the one that is establishing, that's giving the rewards to the deacons. Um, I think we all know that there's not this super secret list. Our deacons can speak to it that, like, you can suddenly have all these privileges and fun things because I got this title. But that's not how it goes. That our deacons here, they are continually sacrificing for us, um, being on the front lines of a spiritual battle for each of us. Um, I know I am so grateful for like each of the deacons we have here um, and all the leaders in our home church who I've seen just set aside their own comfort um, for the sake of the rest of our fellowship. I know even this week um, on Monday, Rich and Becky opened up their house for like a big cookout and had people there and like literally they've been with people all day and loving on people. And right at the end, like I was, I was, I hung out after pretty much everyone else had left and was like processing through emotions and just like being a little all over the place and you could tell they were tired everyone else had left never once did becky go jamie i'm tired get out of my house (laughs) it was what do you need how can i care for you and they both wanted to make sure that i had what i needed and i've seen them and each of our leaders do this time after time being willing to set aside their own comfort to love me and to love others Um, and that's what a deacon is that's what a leader is a servant is being willing to serve even when it gets hard. And so, um, who did I give 1 Peter 5.10 to? That was me. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So we can take confidence that those that are leading our home church have been established by God. It's God who has given them this authority in our lives. Um, and so we are called then to be able to respect 
our deacons and leaders. Um, we know that they report straight to God. And I think Terry did a great job last week really laying that out of how we really need to be praying for our leaders, praying for their marriage, praying for protection for them um, who go through so much and so much sacrifice for us. Um, we want to respect them. We want to hear what they have to say, even if it's not what we would agree upon. Maybe it's not our first instinct, or we want to question why they make decisions. Um, we want to, it's so easy. I know I have a very critical spirit. I can be very quick to criticize and question. Um, but we want to recognize that God is the one who is establishing them, who is growing them. And also, we don't want to expect our um, deacons, our leaders, that they're perfect. We don't put those expectations on them. Um, Kaylee, we get Philippians 1.6. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work among you will be completed by the day of Jesus Christ. Yeah. This applies to our leaders as well, that they are not perfect, but Jesus is going to continue to perfect them, continue to work on their character just as he's working on ours. Um, so we want to be alert to not um, give in to Satan's schemes for division. I think a lot of us who have been in ministry for a long time have seen how, how Satan has done that, how he has gone in and put a wedge between people and leaders and put into question. And so we really want to be on alert and how we can be encouraging our leaders and how we can be coming alongside them and supporting them. And then finally, most of us, we could be deacons. We talked last week about elders. This kind of is just a select few. It's not going to be every person might not get to be an elder one day. But um, there is a huge need for deacons, for servants, for people who want to, are willing to give up their lives to serve others, to give up a little bit of time um, to go and love someone else. So I'd ask you guys a few questions. Like, is being a deacon something you to aspire to? Um, or maybe you're sitting there feeling like, this is not for me. Um, I've just accepted Christ. I'm a baby Christian. I'm years away from ever being a leader. I only kind of have one foot in here. I don't really, this isn't really my church. I don't have a reason to really care about this. Or maybe you're thinking, I've been here for so long. I'm not a deacon by now. I never will be. That's going to leave that to the younger people. Um, but are you really willing to dictate to God um, where that line is going to be drawn? Um, are you willing to open yourselves up to what God um, has in store for you, what plans he may have and the people he wants to put in front of you? Because all of this is about spiritual growth, as Angie was talking about. And so it's never too early or too late to start aspiring to this, to looking at your own character and asking God to change you, to grow you. And so we can look at it and think about what is your reputation are you known as someone that is a servant or someone that's a taker and is just kind of here for the good time? Is there fruit in your life? Is there evidence that God is working um, and that he's changing your character, that he's using you to love others? And are you seeking opportunities to really get to know and apply God's words in your life and in other people's lives? Are you taking advantage of classes when they come up, of um, to making dedicated time to um, read the word on your own. All of this boils down to, do you want to, and are you even willing to serve? Um, even if you never achieve this office of deaconship. Um, we have been loved and served so much by Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for each and one of, every one of us. He sacrificed himself 
to love and serve us? And so are we willing to go out and share even a fraction of that with others? That's what Angie and I had. Wanted to open it up to any questions or comments, maybe some examples of where God's been growing character in your life or others. Kaylee's so ready. I just want to say that you and Angie, uh, well, Angie texted our cell group chat yesterday to pray for you guys because you guys were struggling with how you guys felt about the information you were given. And I think you guys did pretty great. So it wasn't crappy. It was awesome. And I felt like that was going to be great. So I appreciate it. Thanks, Kaylee. Thanks for the prayers. Yeah. Sure. Lauren? Yeah, I think that a real strength of this home church is all of the servants. Like, I, I just can't think. Okay, so, like, Brenda lately has served my family a lot, and I know, like, you've served you and BK have done so much. Um, like, thinking back uh, when we had the stomach flu, I called Paula and was like, I need some Pedialyte. She brought it over. Um, Lacey has picked up wipes from Sam's Club for us numerous times. Like, there's just so many servants here. Um, and I think that that's a real big strength mm-hmm. to our home church. Um, so that's been really awesome. Um, that That is like an ethos that I think that we have here. Um, and it's great to see Mm-hmm. and be a part of and then it motivates I think me to want to like serve more as well and I, I mean I feel like I'm in a stage of my life where you know like Carrie came over today and called my baby so I could clean you know and it's like I'm gonna do that for somebody one day and mm-hmm. you know because it's just like this stage is like I can't clean my floors you know right <laughs> So, um, anyway, I think it's cool that our home church, I think it's a real strength that people serve. And, yeah. Totally agree. Mm. Allie? I have a question. Um, what do you mean when you said that you can report directly to God? That's a good question. Do you want to take that, Angie? Well, we all report directly to God. So, what, oh, because you said deacons. I don't think she meant that. I don't think there's like a special. We don't think there's no like special line or anything. It's just there's Jesus and there's the body of Christ. And yes, there are these, there are, you know, elders who are like servants, uh, recognized as servants. I guess maybe that's a good way to put it. But there's no like special. And I think it's kind of similar to the way that, like, husbands are responsible for, like, the wife and, like, the family's growth and the spiritual growth of the family. And so, like, deacons and elders are responsible for the body of Christ here and, like, how our body of Christ is doing and, like, kind of answering to that. Okay, so it's a little bit more accountable. Yeah. Okay. More responsibility, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we all Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're still responsible for our walks. Like, Justin's not responsible for my spiritual walk, but... Yeah, it's really in contrast to kind of Angie was saying, we're not a clergy lady model where a lot of churches, they say like, oh, it's the priest and then these other people and these other people. And this is kind of that path that we get to um, get to God. And it's like, 
No, all of us directly report to God, but we deacons are given some extra responsibility. Yeah. <clears throat> so the point that really is, you mentioned him, like uh, the point of having to be able to sacrifice your own comfort for the sake of loving and serving somebody else. Yeah. I guess I just really wanted to like, I mean, my wife knows this. And a lot of people used to jump in a long time. <laughs> but that's something I really struggle with so just as, as far as just kind of growing out there because I know I'm not the only one that struggles with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know the times that I have done that, <laughs> not to my own ability, it's far better. Yeah. So the thing I'm grateful for is that it's gotten a little easier over time. You'd be like, I really don't want to do this. That probably means that should Because you know, you get you teach them to line up, right? Everybody line up, and every time, everyone wants to be line leader. They're running. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? You gotta learn how to follow before you can learn how to lead. And it's such a simple concept, mm-hmm. but it's you gotta wrestle with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a good example. Thanks. It's funny, but you have to be obedient. Like, like, um, 
popular or famous Christian leaders who have fallen. Mm -hmm. right? Like, how hard that was to remain humble when you're given all of these, all this worldly attention and all of these accolades. It breaks your heart to see what has become of you. Yeah, Angie, uh, I liked your uh, little bit on, you sort of asked this, posed this sort of rhetorical question once or twice, so I'm like, why wouldn't you want to do this thing? Why wouldn't you want to step up in these ways and love people and stuff like that in relation to, uh, like these being things that lead to someone being uh, raised up or, or as a leader? Uh, which is really kind of uh, entertaining, uh, the thing to rhetorically ask and then uh, at least in my case, for a very, very significant portion of my life, answered very, very uh, resoundingly, firmly, like, no, like, I would never want to do any of that kind of thing. Uh, um, Why? Uh, well, that was, that was kind of the, uh, to, to Carrie's point, having your, your sin drawn out more and more, uh, and just sort of having to uh, you know, sort of uh, wrestle with what Scripture says about it. You know, leadership is service. And my uh, attitude towards leadership was a direct reflection as to my attitude to loving people and serving people. So your uh, recognition of your own sin. Sorry, what was that? So your recognition of your own sin kind of brought you to the point where you wanted to serve them, or you wanted to. Uh, well, effectively, just, effectively, just sort of uh, uh, I realized that my attitude towards it uh, was directly correlated with my desire to be comfortable and not have to answer to anyone. Uh, because these are the responsibilities that, you know, you have these extra responsibilities that are put on you and stuff like that. I never had any illusion as to what leadership was. You know, I saw what spiritual leadership looked like my entire life. But... Uh, <laughs> Hilariously enough, my response was like, man, you have to like, care about people all day. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about me all day. Yeah. So that, that's, I guess, uh, I guess, anyone here that sort of has a similar thought process as to that, that is, uh, which isn't to say that you have to be a deacon or an elder. But uh, if that's the attitude you have towards it, Spending some time with that and listening to that is worthwhile because you're inevitably going to be drawing out some uncomfortable truths about yourself if you have a sort of healthy understanding as to what those relationship looks like. Uh, so if you're someone that finds yourself saying, like, oh, I don't want to be a leader, I don't want to do that, you know, spend some time, uh, I don't know, maybe even asking people, you know, am I someone that you would identify as a spiritual leader or someone that leads spiritually? That's always a bit of a scary question to ask because you have good friends who get an honest answer. Um, so I don't know, that's just something to be able to think about. We look at ourselves too, I think.
think you guys did a really good job. And like, for me, I'm pretty much the exact opposite of my husband. <laughs> Where you um, <laughs> didn't, I was the person who was like, oh, I want this worldly leadership. I want to have, um, like, be identified as someone who's competent, who understands what they're doing. I want to have significance in people's lives. And, like, those aren't bad things. But I know for me, um, it took me a really long time to learn that it's, like, not about proving how great you are. And um, that it, like, I love how you guys focus on this, like, idea of service. And I love that there's, like, you got to learn how to follow first. Yeah. And, like, being able to follow the Lord. Um, and that really changed, uh, just for me, so if you're on the other side and have to, like, reflect on yourself, um, I think that for me, it was always about, like, trying to grab peace and be established as, like, this thing. Um, but when I was doing that on my own, I could never be at peace because there was the fear of messing up, yeah. the fear that oh, well, I'm going to lose all of this and I'm not going to be significant or people aren't going to love Ray or this or that. Um, but, like, if I just wanted to share how freeing it is to be able to be like, oh, no, I'm just serving someone. I'm not doing anything great. It's not this super, like, I don't know, look at me type thing. Um, but when it's about other people, uh, it, it's just freeing. You don't have to worry about someone taking away your opportunity to love someone. Like, that just doesn't yeah. work. And so, I don't know, I just, I thought that was really cool and that you guys did a really good job explaining that. Wow, a couple people want, oh, go ahead. I, I was trying to remember your question, Allie. What was it exactly? Uh, I said, what did you mean when you said that deacons report directly to God? Okay, gotcha, yeah. I think in some sense, so uh, elders are overseers or shepherds of the flock. And so they do report directly to God because God's entrusted them with the whole church. The direction of the church to take care of the flock, to take care of the sheep. And so they do report to God in the sense of where is God moving? And our fellowship at large. Mm -hmm. Deacons can be considered as almost under shepherds, right? Deacons are the, the kind of, the elders are kind of setting the direction for the whole fellowship, and the deacons are supporting them, right? They're listening to the elders and they're trying to get the same thing going. Deacon, us deacons here, we're, you know, we get together once a month with uh, other, also, leader, you know, deacons in training, so to speak, other leaders, and we're praying for our home church. We're praying to see what the will of God is. Where is God moving here? What's God doing? People are struggling. We're praying for them. You know, it's and so in that sense, you know, we are responsible to God because we're under shepherds. You know, God has given us responsibility over the people here. Not responsibility like authority as in like we're lording it over you. No, it's a loving authority. We yeah. want to love you. We want Christ to be, you know, be present in your life. We want God to be, you know, God to be at work with all of us here. We get all of us walking. So I guess in that sense, we do 
we are responsible to God, but everybody is responsible to God as well. Yeah, deaconship is a level of authority, but it's not authority of like you have to listen to whatever I say. It's a loving authority. Right? We're we're here to facilitate your growth with the Lord and whatever whatever's best for our own church as well. I guess if that makes sense, in that sense, it's not that we're above you because we're all one in Christ Jesus. But there are positions of authority that God has laid out. Just like it says here in verse 13. And it's referring to elders and deacons. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. It is really hard to be a deacon. It's very difficult. You've got to check your selfishness a lot. I think much more. I remember my life before being a deacon. Not that it wasn't hard. But it just uh, there's a whole other list of pressures that come with it. Being a sort of under-shepherd in that sense. I hope that makes more sense. Yeah. But I was thinking more of your question. I couldn't exactly remember it, but I was thinking on it. Thank you. All right. Now do a couple people want to pray? Actually, I'll pray. Rich, you want to pray for us? Yeah. Want to close us down? Yes, Lord. It's uh, I thank you for uh, this teaching here tonight. Uh, we've just done so many great things in so many people's lives, God. There's so many lives transformed here. There's so many pillars just in this church, God, in our home church. Uh, so many great men and women that uh, love to serve you and love one another. So thank you for that, God. Thank you for just privileging us uh, with your word, with these uh, great teachings here, these great two ladies teaching. Um, we pray, Lord, for tonight. Um, we pray, God, that you know maybe you're raising up other leaders in, in our midst. And, uh, other deacons. We pray, God, that you'd make that clear to them. And uh, whatever's standing in the way, God, that uh, we'd, we'd surrender that to you. Uh, whether or not we're going to be a deacon, whatever is holding us uh, up, God, we just pray we can surrender that to uh, you and uh, to nail it to the cross. Yeah, Lord, I was thinking earlier about how Lindsay started off in prayer, just that you are not a God of chaos, you are a God of order. That is so comforting to me because I've you know, been having a lot of conversations lately about all the contradictions in our country, and it makes no sense, um, and things are just tripping over each other, and it's so refreshing to come to you and to know that your word is the same. You are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Um, I'm really grateful for that because it, it just seems like life is getting more chaotic, and you truly are an anchor. And um, I'm so glad to have you to hold on to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, Father, we just thank you so much for the grace that you give each and every one of us, that you choose to continue to work on our character, that um, you give us something to aspire to, that you give us um, a perfect model of what a leader looks like in your son and in your character. And so I just pray for each of us here that we can be... um, reflecting on what it is you're trying to show us, who you're putting in front of us to serve, and um, what type of growth that you want to see from us um, this week, this month, um, this coming year, um, that you could just um, be building up more leaders, more servants in this midst. In your name, amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.